Hey, and welcome to the Humanity Church Podcast. So excited that you're here. We hope that you enjoy this week's talk and it really connects to your life in a meaningful way. If you're live in the Pomona area, we would love to have you at one of our gatherings at 10 a.m. or at one of our humanity groups that meet all throughout the week all over the city. If you want more information about our community, you can go to www.humanitychurch.com or download our app on your phone on Apple or Android. If you like what you're hearing here and want to continue to support the ongoing work at Humanity, you can text the word Humanity Church, one word, to 77977 and give back financially in just about 10 seconds. Hey, and here's this week's talk that was given live at our Sunday gathering at Humanity Church. Good morning, Humanity Church. How you doing? It's good to have you here. Merry Christmas. This is like one of those weird weeks, right, where... We're like on a Thanksgiving hangover, and it's not quite Christmas, but we're, all, we're there. So I'm going to just say Merry Christmas to everyone with that. <laughs> Good to have you here this morning. Good to have you guys joining us online. Hey, when you first came in on your chair, there was a little card that said go. If you wouldn't mind pulling that out. Uh, I know one already did an offering, and that's not what this is. Every year at Humanity Church, during the month of December, we do a global giving campaign. And we started this many, many, many years ago. We found out that, that most organizations at Christmas time uh, make it about receiving income for themselves. And that's not a problem. I mean, hey, people need to make the year end up for usually around December and people are in a generous spirit. We thought um, a couple years ago that we wanted to do things a little different here at Humanity Church. And we wanted to make December the month that we gave back to the world. Our mission statement here at Humanity Church is uh, to live by faith, to be known by love, and to be a voice of hope. But our vision statement is to be a, a spiritual reference point to the Pomona Valley and ascending base to the ends of the earth. And we oftentimes talk about the work that we're doing here locally, but we, uh, over the last few years, have not had the opportunity to really engage um, at a very hands-on level with what we're doing around the world. However, our expression of transforming the world around us has not changed, and our commitment to that has not waned during this pandemic. We have not been able to send teams anywhere, but we have been able to financially support, morally support, um, emotionally support those who we partner with around the world. For those of you who don't know, we do work uh, in Thailand with two different organizations, one through uh, Alex Avila, who is drumming this morning. We love Alex. We're, we're so grateful to have Alex back for Christmas and through the beginning of the year, uh, through another organization called Sheer Love uh, that we love getting to partner with. They help men and women uh, coming out of the trafficking industry that is so prevalent there and set them up for a future that is really unprecedented. We do work in Ukraine with an organization called Loads of love that works with uh, orphans there in the country, but not just orphans, uh, that works with orphans who are probably in the worst of conditions, oftentimes with physical disabilities, with the mental and emotional disabilities, and so we uh, are able to partner with them in doing all kinds of amazing things, as well as an organization in Mexico called uh, Door of Faith, and it's an amazing organization, organization in La Misión, Mexico, um, that does work uh, with those uh, who are both orphans and whose families are struggling there in the city. We do all kinds of amazing work. And what I love about Humanity Church specifically, what we do and what our commitment is, is that we are not just a funding organization. 
In other words, we are not committed to just sending money and saying, hey, have a good time. We are committed to being intimately involved with every organization that we partner with. And whether that looks like sending teams, whether it looks like praying for leaders that are over there on a regular basis, whether it looks like sending emotional support throughout the year, we are committed to being relationally invested, spiritually invested, and financially invested all at the same time. And so during the month of December, we ask that everyone who calls Humanity Church home to do two things during this season. One is to pray about what a gift above and beyond your normal giving would look like in the month of December. And so we ask you to simply do that, to pray. So the next two weeks, what we're gonna ask you to do is pray and ask God, hey God, what would you want me to sacrifice to give above and beyond my normal giving here at Humanity Church to support the ongoing international work here at Humanity Church? And then we would like you to you probably guessed it, to give, right? Now, we know that sometimes like coming up with that amount of money can be a stretch. And so on December 12th, which is in two weeks, we call that Pledge Sunday. And so what we would love for you to do is come on December 12th, either ready to give, like, hey, I have the money that God's called me to sacrifice for our international work here at Humanity Church, or pledge on that Sunday in two weeks that you will have that in within a month, basically, by January 10th, 2022. Um, so we would love to have you start praying today, over the next two weeks, around what a sacrifice would look like above and beyond your normal giving. And here's what I can say accurately. None of this money goes to us. Every dime of it goes outward. So this isn't like a, hey, we take 10% off the top for administration fees, or really this is like to cover Humanity Church and we give a portion, 100% of that goes directly to those organizations. Now, in the past, we have done something where we've said, well, the first, you know, thousand goes here and the first 2,000 goes here. This year, it's, everything's kind of mixed up because of the pandemic. Organizations have been scrambling. They have been reworking. Uh, the organizations in Thailand that we work with have had to almost completely redo some of their programming and flip some of their mission, still working in the same arenas, but not being able to do some of the full extent of work that they're able to do. Same thing in Ukraine as well as in Mexico. And so we want to be able to financially support where needed. And so what we're going to be doing over the next few months is partnering with these organizations that we have great intimate connected relationships with and finding out where this money can best be used, how it can best serve the world around us and give it there. So again, what I'm asking us as a community to do over the next two weeks is to pray. Spend some time. If you're married, uh, pray. I'm going to encourage you to do this. If you have kids, Get your kids involved, especially young kids. I love that when we sit down as a family with Jackson and Colin, Marla and I will sit down with them and we'll say, all right, kids, we're gonna pray about what God wants us to give to the kids around the world and to the partner work in organizations that we're partnering with. And I love that I get to teach my kids early. This is what we do as a family. We sacrifice for the world around us. So spend some time praying. December 12th, that's where we will come ready to pledge or to give above or beyond what we normally give. So if you have any questions about this, feel free to meet us at Next Step, or you can email us at info at Humanity Church. There's information on that card, so take that card home with you. Put it somewhere where you see it. I always say, put it um, whatever you open more, your Bible or the refrigerator. Um, and so that will help you get, get connected with that. Uh, we are excited to give. 
It, we, we every, for the last two years, I, I, I will say this about our leadership team here at Humanity Church. For the last two years, I have gone to our leadership team and I've said, hey, the last two years have been hard financially, emotionally, like structurally as a church. We've gone through a lot. Should we like pause this year's international giving and focus on something else? Should we, should we not put our energy there? Should we put it somewhere else? And every single year they come back and say, nope, we are a church that gives. We are a church that sacrifices. We are a church that will call people to spiritual giving uh, regardless. And what I love about our commitment is this, is we're not saying, hey, we have to fundraise X amount of dollars. We're just like, hey, whatever God calls us to give, that's what we will give. And we are gonna be excited with that because we know that he will multiply that. Let's pause this morning and let's pray before we jump in. Jesus, thank you. Thank you for this season, for today. I thank you for uh, just, the, I'm already thrilled about the possibilities of generosity for this community and the work we're gonna do around the world and the lives that'll be transformed by that, the people that will come to know you as a result of our generosity. And so I ask that you would, over the next two weeks, call us, inspire us, move us towards that space. God, may we recognize that Everything we have is a gift, and so we give back everything fully to you uh, in such a beautiful, powerful, transforming way. God, I thank you that we are those who take something as temporary as money, and we transform it into the eternal because of who you are in us and through us. So I thank you in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Well, we're starting Christmas officially today here at Humanity Church. And if you, if you know me uh, as a pastor, I know this is, I say this every year, it's sacrilegious. I don't like preaching on Christmas. Uh, because here's the thing, it is hard to take this one story and make it unique every year. Or to put like a new twist on it. This is oftentimes why you hear like churches will be like Christmas at the movies or Christmas with the Grinch and Jesus. You know, and they're like, it's like, how do you take this, this tale that everyone knows, this story that's been told a thousand times and not make it either sound kitschy or not make it sound like, hey, I've heard this before and not put a twist on it in the middle of this. And now even my saying this every year has become kitschy, right? And so, so there's a problem with this season in all of this. And so in my effort to, to avoid all of that, I, I wanted this year just to simply be Christmas at Humanity. And we're going to go through the story of Christmas. You're going to get to hear from some different communicators over the next few weeks around what it looks like to connect to Jesus during this time of year. And so I actually wanted to talk, tackle this, this issue, kind of a light issue of darkness in our lives today, and what it looks like to actually lean into the light of Christmas because I love that Christmas is the season of lights. It's known as the season of lights. It's the time of year that we put lights on our Christmas trees. We put lights in the home. We light, we light candles. We, we put up a Christmas tree. We have chestnuts roasting on an open fire, right? Because there's something that is warm and illuminating about this season, about taking the darkness and bringing light into it and transforming an environment into something that is so beautiful. And I think we're drawn to the light because of something that happens both externally. I mean, there's just something magical that happens, right? When you turn the lights down and turn on the Christmas tree and, and sit there by the fire in our 85 degree Southern California weather, weather and, um, and then just experience the atmosphere that's created with that. But there's something internally that happens when we step into environments filled with the light. It both, it both calms us and allows us to feel fully alive all at the same time. 
I think it's because we're all on this search for light. We're on this search for things that are going to illuminate the areas of darkness in our life, that are going to bring light into those places where it's hard to see, to to bring us to a place where we can clearly see the path that's in front of us. And Christmas makes us feel like we found it, or maybe that it, the light, has found us during this season. There's something about the light that every single one of us are are drawn to, like like a moth to a flame. We're... We're used to the ex- we, we, we are used to the external element of light, and we use this external metaphor of light to explain this internal reality that happens for all of us, this illumination internally. It's this reality that we long for. See, the fact about Christmas also is that this not only is a season of light, but when I talk to people, Christmas is strangely also a season of darkness for so many. It's a season where... We are reminded of our families, and for some of us, that brings up memories of of beauty and hope and a future. For some of us, that's really painful. For some of us, at Christmas time, it's when we remember that people have passed on, or that this Christmas will be different, or it will look new, or or it'll remind us of Christmas past that may have been really wonderful, and, and Christmas past that have been really painful. And especially in this season, as a nation that we're going through, it seems like Christmas is is different this year. In fact, I, I looked up stats. I looked up stats every year around this time, but this year it's shocking what Christmas looks like this year. One in 10 adults will struggle with debilitating depression in our nation. The leading cause of disability among 15 to 44 year olds is now depression. Suicide is the primary cause of someone's death every 10 minutes in the United States with over 47,000 deaths. 40 million people suffer with anxiety. In fact, one out of four high school students right now are struggling with debilitating anxiety. The APA found that 60% are more anxious today than they were just a year ago. And all the while, we're living in one of the most like convenient, modern eras, a season in a space where we theoretically have nothing really to be depressed about or nothing really to be anxious about. And I don't mean to make light of any of those situations. It's just that there's something off or there's something that is missing or there's something that's not engaged, that's not connecting in the middle of all this. And it's interesting in a season of light that the darkness feels so strong, that the darkness feels like it's in competition and the Christmas story, really, when you look at it, is, is this polarizing moment. It's this moment that pulls in both directions. We tend to look at meaningful things in our lives and romanticize them. This, the last weekend, Marla and I had completely off, which never, ever happens. I mean, I'm talking like Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Saturday, had nothing to do. And you know what we did? We pulled up movies from our childhood. And so we, we just decided we we're just going to watch movies from our childhood. And let me just tell you something. You should never do that. Because I'm telling you, here's what happened almost every single time. We had all these fond memories of these films from our childhood. And we started watching them now as 30-year-olds. And we're like, this movie is not as good as I remembered it. In fact, it's really cheesy. Those jokes don't land the way they did when I was eight. Uh, Like the special effects are not really special. They are special. They're not special, right? But but like we're watching them going, wow, I don't remember it like this. And it's amazing how our memory of what was was very romanticized. And then when we went back to it, it was a whole different story. We, We tend to do that with things that are meaningful. 
And we tend to do that with the Christmas story. In fact, every year when we pull out our nativity set, I'm always a little shocked about the scene that we set up. I've had the privilege to be in the room with three births, and let me just tell you, I have never experienced a birth that looks like a nativity set. That there, there is blood and guts and screaming and there is sweat, and Mary never had makeup on and her hair done with a little halo around her, I guarantee you, right? And yet you look at this nativity scene and it's, everyone's just like, and Mary's like, oh, and the baby's completely clean and a three-year-old in a manger. And, and, and it's strange, right? Because we romanticize this moment in history that happened because we want to believe something about it. And so we, we romanticize Christmas, but it was really this moment of polarizing extremes. When you look at this moment, it was both light and darkness taking place all at the same time. It was both chaos and creation. It was both beauty and destruction. But isn't that a lot like life? All of these pulling at the same time in the exact same moment because it's in the midst of darkness that light seems the most bright. It's in the midst of chaos that beauty seems the most powerful. It's in the midst of hopelessness that a little glimmer of hope feels magnificent in that moment. And here's the thing. You may not fit into any of these polarizing categories. Maybe you're here this morning and you're like, yeah, life's okay and and it is good. But part of being human is actually going through the journey of darkness to find the light. And this may not be your moment, but it may be the moment of the person sitting next to you who needs the light. It might be the person that's living in your home that needs the light. It might be the person that that works next to you at work that absolutely needs the light. I think this is why Jesus is often in the scriptures referred to as the light when he steps into the human story. In John 1, it says this, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life And that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. See, at at Christmas, we celebrate God coming into the world. That's what we call Christmas. And with that, we celebrate the light stepping into our story, into the human narrative. Light enters into what it means to be human. And it's always interesting in the scriptures that these two elements of life and light are always intimately connected with one another. They they always come in partnership with one another. That light and life cannot be separated from one another because they play off one another on a regular basis. See, the sun is integral to survival here on this planet. If you took away light, life would cease to exist in a matter of days. We would either freeze to death and that if we didn't freeze to death, our plants would no longer be there. And so we would no longer eat plants. Some of you don't eat plants, but the things that eat plants, you wouldn't be able to eat. And so that would be gone in a matter of days and we would not be able to survive without this. It is the light that provides food. It provides nutrients. It provides survival. It regulates internal clocks. It allows our skin to have everything that we need to thrive. And there was a time when the world just stopped when there was no light. When, when life itself just paused. We didn't have lights or a car that we could drive with headlights. We didn't have flashlights that we could turn on. There were no street lights. It was just lifeless when the light 
was taken away from the world around us. There were no TVs, there were no phones, there were no movies, there were no coffee shops. And in our modern world, we take the light for granted. Because have you ever noticed how we scramble the second there's a blackout? Have you noticed that? It's strange that, that Marla and I turn into like cave people when we, there's a blackout. We're like, well, what can we do now? We can, uh, we can use our computers. No, there's no internet. Okay, well, we could, uh, you know, we could, I don't know. And then, Mar- then eventually we get to this like, we could, what are those things called? Candles. We could light a candle, right? Because we don't know what to do when there's a blackout because life ends when light is taken away from us. And in the same fashion that happens physically when the light is turned off physically, the same thing happens spiritually. That where there is no spiritual light, when there is no internal light, internal life stops as well. When we can no longer see the next step in front of us, life starts to diminish. When we start to hide ourselves in the dark, to cover up things from other people because we don't want them to see, life stops in the middle of this. When the darkness feels insurmountable, when the darkness feels more real than the light, life begins to stop in the middle of this. And it's interesting that at Christmas time, it wasn't God bringing the light into the world, it was God bringing the light back into the world. Because he had already brought it once. In fact, when you look at the very, very beginning of the scriptures, one of the first things he creates is light. He speaks out, there was light. And it's the first thing that he puts to motion externally, but it's the first thing that he puts to motion internally with us. We are creatures of the light, and it moves us to that space. Along the way, the light got lost in the human story, that we chose brokenness, and we chose darkness, and we chose our own way over the paths that were illuminated by God for us. This this sin and brokenness and darkness enters into the human story, and it actually becomes the defining narrative of what it means to be human. To be human was to walk in the dark, to not know our way, to hide, to feel like things were hopeless and overwhelming, and there was no way to move forward, and no matter how hard we tried, no matter how much we strived, no matter how good we were, there was no way to get out of the darkness because the darkness has won. Now, here's the thing. We as human beings have the ability to choose how much light lives within us. It's actually one of the most beautiful things about being free, having free will, is actually we get to choose the level of light as if there was a dimmer switch in our souls of how much light we brought into our lives and how much light we kept out. Oftentimes we think like it's an external source that, that momentary moments and circumstances and situations feel light and then moments and circumstances and situations come and they diminish the light. But we actually are the ones who get to choose the light that's available to us. But here's the thing. You're not actually capable of snuffing it completely out because it was never our light to begin with. Your light was actually never yours to choose if it existed or didn't exist. See, I, I think that we have this idea that there is our light within us, and then there is the light of God that exists out there somewhere around us. And we even sing songs like, this little light of mine, I gotta let it shine, right? And we just think that if we just like hunker down and push hard enough, mm, 
that somehow light's gonna come out of us, right? That if we, just, if we just focus, and if we say enough mantras, and if we do enough things, and if we try hard enough, that our little light will shine and we're not gonna hide it under a bushel, no, right? Because we're trying so hard. But the crazy thing is that we as human beings do not operate like the sun. We operate more like the moon. That it is not our light that we shine. It is not the light that is within us that that needs to become brighter or more dim. See, the moon has no light of its own. It only reflects the light that is out there. And there are nights where you can see more of the lights, and there are nights where you can see less of the lights. But here's the thing. The source never changes, only the moon. The source never becomes less bright or more bright. We only get to see certain reflections of that light back to us. And it is the position of the moon in relationship to the sun that determines how bright the night becomes. See, here's the beautiful thing about this reality, about being spiritual moons, if you will, is that you are not responsible for producing your own light. That you don't have to strive or work hard or do enough good things or be a better person to actually be a source of light. Some people are not born with more light, and so they're just shine brighter than others, and others were born with less light, and so they're kind of like the peons, the peanut gallery of life. There's nothing like that. You are not responsible for producing your light. Isn't that good news? But isn't it also annoying news all at the same time? Because I don't know about you, but there is something inside of me that does not like to be dependent on another. You know what I'm talking about? Like there's something inside of me. How many of you just love asking for help? You're you're just like, oh, I just love it. I love it when I'm completely incapable and I can't get the thing done that I need to get done and I can't accomplish the things that I need to accomplish and I am forced finally to ask someone to help me. (laughs) I've never met a human being who was absolutely thrilled with the idea that we are intimately reliant on other people. In fact, we resist that idea. It annoys us at times that we cannot actually produce our own light because we don't like the idea of being reliant on another. We would much rather be self-sufficient, not really needing another person to tell us what to do or, or how to do it or give us what we need. And here's the thing, is that when we stop resisting our need for the external light, that's when we'll find it. When we stop resisting our need to find it on our own, to produce it on our own, to do it on our own, to be good enough, to be competent enough, to perform enough, to get it right, to be good enough, the second we're able to lay that down, that is the moment that we will actually find the life and the light. Because here's the thing, you will never be bright enough on your own. You will never be good enough on your own. But when you connect to Jesus, he will actually flood your life with light and you become a reflection of God himself to the world around us. See, I love that John reminds us in this passage that Jesus was the light of all mankind. See, I think sometimes we have this idea that God is is stingy with his light. Like like he, he has his light over here and he's like, well, let me just see, let me wait to see if you're ready for it. And here's, here's like a sprinkling of light. 
And here's some because you did a good thing. And here's some because you did your chores this week. And oh man, you were a really good kid. So here's some more light. As if he was this like cosmic Santa who didn't give out presents but gave out light, right? And I think that we have this idea that he's stingy or sometimes holding it back or he's hoarding the light or that he's angry with us and so that, that we need to earn the light somehow. But the scriptures actually say that he is the light of all mankind. And when I read about who God is, and I know from what I've experienced in my own life is that God is not stingy with his life. He's actually attempting to generously give it out. It is us who are unwilling to let go of our need to produce our own light and simply receive the light that's available to us. This is why in John 3 it says, this is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. See, here's the thing. When, when God brought the light into the world at Christmas, during this season, when God brings Jesus into the human story so that we might become light, God doesn't bring his light to condemn us. He doesn't bring his light to shine it on us because we've all had that moment, haven't we, where we've been exposed by light, where, where, where someone has exposed us or we've been exposed, we've been caught in the middle of something or we've been found out that we're an imposter or we've been found out that we are not who other people th thought we are. But here's the thing. God is not using his light like an, like, an, like, like an investor, like, gotcha, over there. Like, where's your hands, right, over there? Like, I remember in junior high, we used to have these lock-ins where we'd watch movies and like every now and then, just randomly they'd flip the lights on and be like hand check right just to make sure you didn't have Russian hands and Roman fingers right because because like it was this moment where it was like let's just check and there was this gotcha moment it was like it was very freaky I was like ah right my hands I promise right <laughs> because people were exposed in that moment and they didn't like that experience and and here's the thing God is not doing a spiritual hand check on you <laughs> he is not saying hey I'm using my light to expose how evil and how broken and how awful your life has become what the scriptures say is that's not the case at all see the case is that we actually love darkness more than the light at times that we would actually prefer the darkness rather than the light at times See, it's not that God is stingy with the light, it's that we're avoiding it and unwilling to fully step into it at times. See, and here's the thing, we're, you're not crazy if you avoid the light and would prefer the darkness at times. There's all kinds of reasons why you might prefer the darkness over the light in your life. Because here's the thing, when you avoid the light, you avoid exposure to things in your life that you would much rather kept hidden, right? I mean, let's be honest, the second you step into the light, all of a sudden, we are able to see all of those parts of us that, well, we'd rather not see. And more importantly, we'd rather not let others see. And so when we choose to step into the light, it causes us to see what's there. The parts of us that are in need of a God who can redeem, the parts of us that aren't what we long for them to be, those thoughts that keep debilitating us that if spoken out loud, we would be so ashamed or so embarrassed if someone heard them, all of the insecurities, all of the lies, all of the thoughts, all of the brokenness, all of those things that we work so hard to cover up and to keep hidden and to keep away from other people. And so we actually start hating the light because it might expose us. And so the light 
no longer becomes an invitation into a life of freedom, into a life of actual living. It becomes a threat. It becomes the very thing that we would never, ever, ever want to have in our life because it might show who we are. And the longer we stay there, the more distorted our eyes become in the dark. Something strange happened, actually frightening happening this week in our home. Uh, the kids have been sick, and so we've been kind of keeping them in bed, and, and so we've been kind of all over the place. And one night, I forgot to lock the front door, and in the middle of the night, we heard noises. And Marla wakes up, because I don't wake up for anything, and she says, honey, I think I heard something. So I'm looking around, I say, honey, there's nothing here. I go back to bed. About an hour later, I open my eyes up, and there is a man standing at the edge of our bed. It actually was just my robe, but I thought it was a man standing at the edge of my bed. Because it's strange what we see in the dark, right? It's strange what our eyes start telling us is there, and then we start hearing noises that inform us of the things that are actually there, and we find ourselves reacting to boogeymen that were never there in the beginning. But let's be honest. The longer that our lives stay in the dark, we start seeing problems that are bigger than they ever were supposed to be. We start seeing addictions that feel like they are giants in our lives that are easily defeated. We start seeing insecurities and hopelessnesses and robes become burglars because our eyes have been distorted and we cannot clearly see what's going on around us. And then the longer our eyes are distorted, we move into that dark space where we forget that we were ever in the dark and we just say, well, this must be life. This just must be life. I must just not be able to see what's in front of me. I guess I have to use all this energy to keep hiding all of these things that are in the closet. I guess this extreme hopelessness is what life is all about. And we find ourselves stuck there. I get the privilege of training people in character and leadership development all over the world on a regular basis. And one of our trainings, we do this small little exercise where we have people get into groups of three and we ask them questions about themselves. Simple questions like, where do you see yourself in 10 years? What are some of the things that you struggle with? Uh, if, who's the most important person that's been in your life? What are, what are some of the things that, that you, um, I don't know, what are some of the things that, that you would be uh, ashamed to tell someone? No, you don't have to tell your biggest, darkest secrets, just one thing. And it's amazing, we go through a list of questions and everyone does it together. And at the end of this little exercise that I am always in my head like this thing is really silly and insignificant. At the end of it, people are always floored. I mean, they're, they're like literally like my life has been altered because I answered these 30 questions. And the reality is, is what happens is in those few minutes that people are together sharing their lives with one another, what happens is they start turning on the lights in rooms that they had kept in the dark. And then they started watching other people turn on the lights in rooms that they had kept in the dark and they go, oh my gosh, we've been living in the same room. The, the thing that you've been hiding and, and keeping covered up and thought that was going to be such a big deal is actually the same thing that I've been covering up and is actually the same thing that I thought was going to be such a big deal. And I thought it was unique to me, but now apparently everyone in the room is struggling with the exact same thing. See, the longer we stay in the dark, the more we believe that our brokenness is unique to us, that our hopelessness is unique to us, that our struggle is unique to us. And that is the lie of the darkness, is that you are alone. 
and that, there, that no one else can understand. And eventually it turns into, I'm alone, so I should be alone, and I don't need to show up at community group, and I don't really need to go to a gathering, and I don't really need to reach out, and I don't really need to return that text message, and I don't really need to, because I am stuck alone in the dark, and this is all there is. See, the beautiful thing about the Christmas story is that God brings his light not to expose us, but he brings it as an invitation into freedom. He brings it as an invitation into something far more powerful, far more profound than living alone in the darkness. How many of you have ever been at home, like working in the afternoon and the sun goes down and suddenly you realize that you're sitting in a dark room after a while, you know what I'm talking about? And all of a sudden you're like, you can't see. And this happened to me the other day. This is not a trick story. And I'm, 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 I'm sitting there on my computer and I'm in the dark and Marla comes in and she turns on all the lights and it was like this jarring experience. I was like, oh, I didn't realize I had been in the light and suddenly I was able to see. And I, I was like, oh, I forgot that I had coffee right next to me. I forgot that there was this over here. I, I can now actually see what I'm doing in the middle of this. And this is the invitation of the light of God at Christmas time is he's saying, look, I'm not trying to expose you. I'm actually just trying to free you up. I'm actually just trying to free you up to live so you don't have to use all this energy for things that it wasn't supposed to be used for. See, the Christmas story is God saying, no, really, I am not out to get you. It is God saying, no, really, I am not attempting to expose you. I am not out to get you. See, I love that John says that what has been done has been done in the sight of God. See, all that stuff that you're hiding all that stuff that we, that we long to keep in the dark, that we long to keep ex out from the exposure of the light, God's already seen it. He's not shocked. He's not like, what? You did what? How could I have ever forgotten? I mean, he doesn't do that. He's just like, look, I'm going to bring the light into this situation so that you can live free. Because I'm already free. And I would love for you to be free in the middle of all this. So let's let some light in here. Let's open up the windows. Let's flip on the switches so you no longer have to live in this place. See, what kills the light is not that deed that you did. It's you attempting to keep it hidden that kills the light. See, what seems more probable? That God would send his only son into the world to shame us or that God would send his only son into the world to illuminate us so that we might be free. See, I love how Paul says this in Ephesians. He says, for you were once in darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. So live as children of the light. For the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth, and find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. It is shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret, but everything exposed by the light becomes visible and everything that is illuminated by light. That is why it is said, wake up sleeper, rise from the dead and Christ will shine on you. See, when you connect to Jesus, your life becomes illuminated. Now it actually is more than that. He says, because you were once in darkness, but he actually says, you are now the light. You actually become the very light of God for the world around you. See, just let that sink in for a moment because what he is saying is like, no, 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 you weren't that darkness. 
That darkness that you were in, that's not you. That that is a choice that you made and it is a reality that you were living in, but who you are is really the light. And when you accept this invitation into this space, everything will change. See, I think it's actually a lot easier to have faith and connect with the darkness than it is to the light. To believe that the light, that the darkness is actually who we are and the light is like a privilege or nirvana that we get to one day. But see, Paul is inviting us into this identity shift. I remember I had this personal trainer about four years ago, best personal trainer I've ever worked with. And I remember we did this initial consultation. I hate the initial consultation with the fitness trainer because you're like, you know, they're like, let's see how many burpees you can do. And I'm like, we, honey, I can't do a burpee, right? So, <laughs> so I'm like, but we'll try, right? And then it's like, let's see how many sit-ups you can do and let's how many do jumping jacks you can do and we're gonna test your balance and all this stuff. So we go through the whole thing and, and I remember her looking at me and she said something that no other fitness trainer had ever said to me. She said, man, you are so healthy. And I thought, oh, you're fired, right? <laughs> but she said, man, you, you are just like a really healthy person who just made a few weird decisions along the way. And I thought, that's right. Yes, I, I am a healthy person who have made some screwy decisions along the way. See, and I actually, in that moment, something shifted for me. Because it became, it, it, it wasn't like I need to fight my way to become a healthy person. It was like, oh no, I am a healthy person and I need to fight all of the decisions that I have been making to get, that got me here. See, and this is how Jesus looks at us. He's like, look, I have no condemnation for you. You are a child of light. If you would just be willing to try that on and accept me as the light in your life that will move you into the life that you long for. See, what would happen if we actually saw ourselves as children of light first? And then, of course, the dreaded but comes, right? Arguing with God. Like, like but God, you don't understand. And but God, you can't. But you don't understand what I've done. And you don't understand what's been there. See, what if we actually lived from a space understanding that at Christmas, God has declared you to be children of light, and that he has actually created the path for you to step into the light. And that if you lived from the space of goodness and righteousness and truth that Paul talks about here in the light, that we might actually start moving towards actually living as children of lights. See, and he invites us to do something very, very counterintuitive in this passage. See, when you find yourself engaging in actions that diminish your identity as a child of light, what he says to do is expose them. Mm -hmm. that's right. To bring them into the light. Because that's not who you are. This is what he invites us to do. Could you imagine like a community where we're just like, welp, yelled at my kids today, right? <laughs> Could you imagine a community where, where on Instagram, instead of posting our, our most beautiful best moments, we're like, let me just tell you about all the crazy choices that I did today. I'm just gonna bring them into the light, right? Let, let me just expose all of this. I thought about cussing out my spouse today. I, I thought about, uh, about leaving my work. I thought about you know, yelling at my coworkers. I lied about all my intentions. I didn't keep any promises this week. What if we just start exposing those and said, look, I am a child of light and I refuse to be controlled by the darkness so I am exposed them because there's a difference between celebrating the darkness and exposing it. And when you are unwilling to expose the darkness, you will end up celebrating it. 
Because hiding your darkness is a way of celebrating it. It's a way of keeping it close, keeping it, keeping it concealed, keeping it protected. But when you find yourself engaging in acts that diminish your life, expose them. One leads to more darkness, the other will lead to freedom. See, at Christmas, when the invitation comes, it's an invitation into seeing everything new, everything brand new. Because in the light, you can actually see to wake up and to realize that there is hope in the darkness here. Now, have you ever been in a moment of pain, in a moment of suffering, and have someone say, well, just look at the bright side. That's the worst, isn't it? That's, I mean, that is absolutely the worst. That is not what I am asking you to do here in this moment because that is so annoying. See, what I'm asking you to do is to believe in a new perspective that Jesus is calling you into. Living from a space that there is always light, there is always hope, there is always beauty available. That there is always a future because Jesus came at Christmas to bring the light. Here's the thing that is crazy. Everything that is illuminated becomes light. Everything. Everything that gets illuminated becomes light. Because, not just because it's out there for the world to see, but, but your greatest places of darkness and hopelessness, your greatest places of depression and anxiety and despair will become the places that God shines the brightness, where he shines his light, where he illuminates everything in the middle of this. It's in the darkness, it's in the darkest of situations and the darkest of circumstances and the darkest of spirituality and the darkness of physical things that Jesus stepped into and he brought his light so it could shine the brightest. And I love this phrase, especially at Christmas time, the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. See, when, when you when we actually study the science of light and dark, there's actually no such thing as darkness. In fact, it's, it's impossible to measure darkness. It is only possible to measure how much light exists in a situation. The second you turn on a light in the darkness, it no longer becomes dark. It's transformed. I don't care how small that light is. I don't care how insignificant you think it is. It is light that illuminates in the middle of this. There is no such thing as a lack of light when you are connected to the source of light. All you need is a glimmer of light that will dispel the darkness in your life. So you can spend your whole life shouting at the darkness, or you can simply connect to the God of light who will come in and the darkness cannot overcome it. And here's the thing, the world needs light. The world around us is so desperate for light right now. And they are trying, people are trying all kinds of things. They are going to all kinds of places and they are wondering where is the light? And guess what? You get to be that for your community and for the world around you. You get to be that. And there's nothing that you have to do. There's nothing you have to strive for. All you have to do is connect to the God of light who has come for you, who has stepped into human history at Christmas time and said, I will be your light. Let's pray. Jesus, I thank you that we are children of light because you are the light of the world. 
and the darkness cannot overcome you. And so God, I, I thank you that we don't have to strive to illuminate the darkness. We don't have to work hard to make sure that, that these areas in our lives that feel so insecure, that feel so hidden, that feel so hopeless become illuminated. God, you just, we just look to you. And so God, I ask right now that you would illuminate those places of darkness in us. And right now, if you're here in this room and you have not yet connected to Jesus, maybe you're here and you're just like, I have, I feel like I have areas of darkness that feel hopeless, that feel overwhelming, that feel like I can't move past them. Jesus is the hope. You were not meant to be the sun, you were meant to be the moon to reflect the light of God on your life. And Jesus would love to do that in you and through you and for you if you will be willing to make him Lord. And so this morning, if that's you, if you have not yet connected to Jesus, maybe you're online or here, maybe you haven't connected to him in a long time, this is your moment. If that's you, I'd like you just to raise your hand and say, I'm ready to connect to Jesus today. Awesome. Who else? If you're online, you can just click that button that says, today I choose to follow Jesus. And I want you just to pray this prayer with me. Just say, dear Jesus, I give you my life. I know that I am broken. And you came and you died for me. And you came back to life so that I might live. And so I make you Lord and I choose your light. I thank you in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Hey, thanks for joining us on the Humanity Church Podcast. We hope that this was a meaningful experience and we look forward to connecting again next week for another conversation around what it looks like to live by faith, to be known by love, and to be a voice of hope. Again, for more information about Humanity Church, you can visit us online at humanitychurch.com. And if you want to support the ongoing work here at Humanity Church, including this podcast, you can give online in about 10 seconds by texting the word Humanity Church, one word, to 77977. Thanks and have an amazing week.